Okay, because I preach for a long time, I'm very sensitive to the sound system. Because when the sound system is not right, listen, it gets, it gets rough to listen to bad sound for a long time, right? And so it, it causes fatigue. And so now, of course, if you're filled with your spirit, it's okay. But, but many times I want to provide the best conditions to hearing the word as possible. But anyway, so today is Thanksgiving for the Young Adult Conference. And at the same time, it's also commencement for South America. And so the worship will be long. <clears throat> Anyways, let us pray. Okay, I believe that uh, this conference is going to be a very difficult schedule. <clears throat> you know, going back and forth on the bus in South America, going to New York. Okay, uh, please remember to do intercession for the worship sessions in New York. Okay. Uh, because it's time, uh, it's, it's time where churches of Zoe Ministry are going to be established in New York, and so this is really important. And so please pray. And in each individual region of America, there are several um, Zoe Ministry Network churches being established. And honestly, if you count all the um, branch-associated churches with Latin American churches, there are actually several churches in America. And... And so uh, spiritually, I'm like the grandfather because the pastors that are building up the churches in America are the fathers, the spiritual fathers, and I'm their father, so I'm like the grandfather. But anyways, and so, so we have many Central American pastors who are leading pa um, churches in America, and we're grateful for all the help that they've given to Pastor Funk. But anyways, let's pray. In this commencement, and also thanksgiving for, for the young adults, Lord, please bring about great grace. And throughout this past month, as we've been continually having these conferences going even on, extending on to Central America, all the attacks that have been coming, Lord, let us be healed and wiped clean of that and open up the gates to the fullness of you. And may powerful fire fall upon Honduras and Nicaragua. And this great victory that you have given us in, in, the, in the Young Adult Conference, Lord, whether it be authority over power, whether it be authority over materials, authority over spiritual things. Lord, let us take home the spoils of war today upon Nicaragua and Honduras. Lord, may your glory be shown. Let us have a foretaste of what is to come. Let us pray all together in the Spirit. Amen. Okay, and so now fire and breath of life. Okay, breath and fire and life. Okay, let us receive it all. There are many people who are hurting and so who are sick and so receive fire. Receive fire. Elder, how, are, how is your back? Come here, come here. 
Okay, she has some kind of ailment. What is it called? And so those who are sick, from the bot tops of their heads to the bottom of their toes, there's so much attack of witchcraft, so much attack of sorcery. So Lord, come upon her. Fire in the name of Jesus. Okay, Lord, in fire and anointing, come upon this place. A fire and anointing that we have we have never tasted before. That Lord, a new fire, a new anointing. Come upon this place and blow. Fire. Fire. Annihilate the work of the witchcraft. Destroy the work of sorcery. Receive the fire. Let the wind blow. Let the breath of life blow. More powerfully, Lord. Fire. Break down all the work of witchcraft over Honduras and Nicaragua. Heavenly hosts, move. All the spirit of suffering, I cast you out. Amen. Okay, how about your son, L? What's happening? Okay, he's in the hospital. Okay, Elder, are you okay? Do you feel better? <laughs> so once again, we want all of our ailments to go away. This is the work of witchcraft and sorcery. And so all of this ailments, all of our flus, all of these things, let it get, get out in the name of Jesus. Okay. 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 I, it's nice that I don't have to hold anything with my arms, but, but I, I'm more comfortable with, with, with the mic. And honestly, I, I don't like to put the tape on here. And can you still hear me really well? Can you hear me well? Not me. Not me, him. He's, I'm translating him. <laughs> okay, so we got to cast all of these things off. Okay, when it comes to attacks, attacks in itself is not a bad thing. Because when we, rece- when we are able to discern through our body, it's not easy, right? But, but for someone like me, I don't receive it with my, with my body and I just recognize that the attack is coming. But... In the process of growing in spiritual discernment, it's a good step, first step to receive these attacks with our, in our body. But, okay, and so, and so look, uh, the devil is challenging you because of how important you are. And so do not fall into despair that you are receiving attacks. I mean, come on, we've been receiving these attacks for the past 20 years, and and we got to learn to to ride with it, right? To go with it, to enjoy it in a sense. Okay. Uh, in English, if I say enjoy, it seems like pleasure, but not pleasure. But you, you know what he means, right? He means like going through it. Okay. Pain isn't just pain. Pain is there to keep you from praying, right? You, these attacks are coming from you to keep you from praying. So the most important thing is, is that ultimately it's about us transforming, us growing. 
And so when these pain, when these sickness comes, it's not to give you pain. It's not to give you sickness because the devil cannot take your life. It's giving you, it's coming to you to make you angry, to make you uh, ill-tempered, to make you frustrated, right? That is the purpose of, of the attacks of the devil is to bring about unbelief in you, to bring about rage, to bring about unbelief, to bring about despair. And so regarding these attacks, what you need to see is, is that how is this affecting my character? Right? Is it making me fall into despair? Is it making me fall into dis, uh, to, to, to depression? Right? And so when the suffering moves, and when the suffering comes to attacking you, what is moving behind it is the spirit of Jezebel to co- constantly make you fall into despair or to make you go into rage. Those are the two characteristics of the spirit of sorcery is, is either you receive it in despair or you receive it in rage. And so that's what you need to recognize. Right? For the past month, we've been, there are many of you who've been continually receiving attack. I can see it in your faces, on your foreheads. It's written, unbelief, uh, rage, um, despair. Remember, whatever the reason may be, rage is not something that should be, is a becoming of a Christian. Because even once, one time you get angry with your brother or with someone, you, uh, the devil can build a stronghold inside of you. Rage and anger, it, 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 it breaks down leadership. Look at Moses. Why, where was Moses' um, leadership broken down? It was when he got angry, right? And so if... If I was to get angry, then, then under my leadership, this church would, the boat of this ch- church would end up on the mountains, on the top of the mountains. That's the problem with rage, right? And so, so you don't want your ship to end up on the top of the mountain, do you? So the most important thing is do not receive attack in your character. Because when you receive the attack in your character, faith cannot move. The Holy Spirit is always in peace, right? In that small, still whisper. So no matter what the devil does, that you can laugh in his face, right? So once again, let us pray. Lord, may powerful fire fall upon Nicaragua and Honduras. Annihilate the work of sorcery and the work of suffering, all the flows of Jezebel. Right now, I break it down in the name of Jesus. Cleanse all of these roots in the name of Jesus. He who answers by fire. Yahweh is his name. Oh, God.
Amen. Can you see this church was being transformed moment by moment? And so when you see despair, you need to rise up in vindictive anger. Okay, because when someone is falling into despair, that is also affecting me. We are all moving together as one body. And so when you see these young adults rising up, yes, me too, Lord God, I am rising up with them. And so you need to rise up in that vindictive anger as well. Meeting with God, breaking through, the power of prayer coming upon us. It's so clear that this is the season of the remnant being rising up, right? That Zechariah 5 is being fulfilled before our eyes. That, ah, this is the glorious season where God is establishing his remnant. Uh, Deacon Kang Eun-ju will be beginning her fast today. And next week, another another, um, deacon will be fasting. Fasting is not ending, it's continuing in circles. It seems as if our entire church, the body of our, the church is going to, is going to starve of hunger. Because when Yerbang Church doesn't eat, oh, oh, what are we, what are the restaurants of this city going to do? <laughs> Can you see it? Look at the people next to you. Can you see them transforming? Do you not see them transforming? Look at how many of them are so skinny. So many of them are gaunt because of the lack of food. 40, 40 days. 40 days. <laughs> she's like how am I supposed to answer he asked her are you happy that your husband is fasting and and so I was like looking at her and it's like how am I supposed to answer this (laughs) but you know you can see people transforming right as they're fasting yes it's true all of us in the being of the church you can see one another growing, and so we need to yearn to grow together. Right? All of us are being transformed, but just me? We all need to push forward for holiness. Amen? Look at how great Ensip has becoming. And so bless the person next to you. It's time to be renewed. It's time to be renewed. And in this general assembly, we're getting several from Central America coming here. They're going to be here for a while. And throughout the year, people are going to keep coming. Also from Africa. And so the remnant are going to come in here. And also even all the retired pastors of Zoe Ministry will be coming in. And so as long as we have the vessel here, anyone can come in. Amen. You as foreigners are helping to make that vessel. Amen. To make this a welcoming place. You know, as you were lonely 
for them, you are going to help them not to be lonely. Amen. And so during the General Assembly, we're going to do Colossians. Because from Central South America, they'll be coming, uh, 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 not, not in the General Assembly, in, in, in Honduras and Nicaragua. So Nicaragua, I'll be doing Colossians. And in Nicaragua, I'll be doing Malachi because Malachi has a very prophetic anointing, or Nicaragua has a prophetic anointing upon them. And so I believe that God will do great things throughout this conference. And important thing is that the people who are going, uh, pray for them. Nicaragua makes it really difficult to enter their borders. Uh, we're not allowed to bring food. And so I'm just going to bring it anyways. You know, I'm a guy, my personality is when they tell me not to do it, I want to do it more. Right? I mean, they may steal it, they may take it away, but it's okay, who cares? And so really, all of these regions are so far away from each other, and so going by bus, eight, six, ten hours, and these buses, like, they're not, they're not that good. The roads are not that good. Last time we were in Africa, we went, we rode on the bus 23 hours from Nairobi to, 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 to Hoima. Wow, 23 hours. And it was a bus that was not even, that the, that the chairs didn't even go back. There was no air conditioning. Oh, Africa. <laughs> I love Africa. <laughs> They keep telling me that, you know, it's, we're almost there, but I never trust them anymore because they tell me we're almost there and it's another four hours. <laughs> but anyways, let's pray. Nicaragua. And especially, Lord, annihilate the work of witchcraft, especially let there be a transformation in the political sphere in Nicaragua. You know, bringing down, bringing down this, this, this work of, of evil that's over Nicaragua. And so through Malachi, let Nicaragua be filled with the prophetic anointing. And, and throughout all the process from Honduras, Nicaragua to America, Lord, work powerfully in this place. Let us pray. Lord, upon the preaching of Colossians over Nicaragua or Honduras and Malachi in Nicaragua. Or is it the opposite way? Lord, uh, anyways, pour out your anointing. Activate the anointing over Nicaragua and Honduras. Faithful heavenly host, open the gates of heaven more powerfully, Lord. More, Lord. And we also need to pray for RT, the RT to America. RT stands for remnant training. Okay, America is not very good right now. There's so New York and Washington is the center of Babylon. And so if there's no transformation in America... America has all the elements needed for the Antichrist to thrive. And so there needs to be time of hardship over America. That America can no longer be the, uh, the power player in, in global politics. 
then how far does America need to fall? How, and can America remain united with Israel? Like these kinds of prophecies are really important to, unva- are to be unveiled. And so as these children go, that they would send forth anointing over America. Okay, America has much excellence, spiritually speaking. Because the tradition of Christianity of America doesn't begin with America. It actually begins with England, yes? And so America has that heritage. And also individually, you can see many, many Americans have very uh, activated prophetic feeling. And there's also many Jews. And yet, and yet spiritually... Uh, the reason why America is falling into such darkness is because of the lack of a church. And so this ministry of the church is so important. The problem, the biggest weakness of theology, of seminary, is that they're unable to see that the church is the kingdom of God. Look at China. There are so many superstitious, mystical people in China, right? And like one leader can move 30, 40,000 people, 300,000 people. And so, so the scale is so big in China, and yet... And yet, the church in China falls to just one man, Xi Jinping. It's because, why? Because the the missionaries that went to China did not establish the church. And so look at how important this revelation is regarding the two candles, the church, the church being united. This is so important. And so honestly, we have nothing about ourselves that are good for God to use, right? There's no one here that's spiritually great. There's no one here that, that, that is special. I'm not trying to be modest. I know to you, I am some spiritual giant. But yet, when you look at it, historical speaking, historical speaking, apart from my face, there's nothing that sets me apart in terms of history. And yet, why does God use us? Because of the church. God showed me the church and he gave me the dream of this church. And so in America, that's the same thing that needs to happen. The church needs to be established. So in these end times, all the church, according to the prophecy of Isaiah, have fallen into times of powerlessness. Everywhere you go in the world, there is no church that is standing in strength. Right? In China, even though you've been going to missionaries for 27 years, have you seen a powerful church? Even when I went to China the last time, when we went to Urumuchi, I pro- proclaimed that, that you will all be, all the missionaries here will be chicked, kicked out. I wasn't prophesying. It was just the spiritual principle of things because the church was not established. And so the high schoolers, when they go to RT, go and proclaim, proclaim the church. And so Trump becoming president. What does it mean? We'll see through Zephaniah.
And so through Zephaniah, we're going to see the scenario, the scenario that could happen. And so RT, let's pray for the RT. And also pray, including also the General Assembly. This General Assembly has great significance because Zoe ministry from all over the world are gathering in one place in Korea for the first time. How many nations are going to be gathered? So many. So many. So many. About maybe like roughly around 30 nations. Maybe even, yeah. That may be true. Right, Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, Rwanda, uh, Kenya, Uganda, Mozambique. Uh, anyways, and so these 30 nations are coming to be one family. It's a miracle. Hallelujah. And so RT and the General Assembly, Lord, upon this glorious church that establishes your remnant, Lord, grant grace. And upon America, establish this glorious anointing to flow through America. And as we have this general assembly, that we would all become one family. Let's pray all together. Lord, bless our team. That as they go throughout America, that they would spread this glorious anointing. That your glorious church would be established in America. Pour it out, Lord. More powerfully, Lord. Okay, so let's look, turn to today's word. Oh, it's already 5.30. I think you guys will experience hunger today. Anyways, let's begin. Going to the restroom again? Okay. The young adult conference is so fun. It's because they're young adults, they could play all night long. My wife, she's still young at heart, even though it's only eight years apart. And yet she's still in, in the flower of youth. And so I'm going to give the young adults to her. Okay, I went briefly on Tuesday. And the young adults, truly, they, they love to, to jump around and to have fun. And so let's have the young adults continue to gather throughout the months. And so let's look at Zephaniah. Okay, Zephaniah means hidden by God. So be, and so instead of being famous in the world, being acknowledged by people, no, already, that's not, that makes it very difficult to be close to God. And yet, gratefully, for 25 years, Zoe ministry has, hit, has been hidden. Though we've done so many conferences all over the world, No one, no one acknowledged us. No one, no one saw what we were doing. No one recognized what we were doing. 
except for people, except for people uh, accusing us of heresy. And you know how interesting is that? There was only three pastors gathered, and yet they were accusing us of heresy. So apart from that, no one ever tried to recognize us, nor did we try to be recognized. And the remnant are hidden by God. Amen? We do not need to be famous. We do not need to try to be famous. If God wants us to be recognized, He will recognize us. He will allow us to be recognized, but we do not have to strive and struggle. And I know I've preached out of Zephaniah before, but Zephaniah, as it says in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Son of Hezekiah, in the in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi. And so after King Manasseh, he had polluted, polluted uh, Judah, and then Ammon got, was assassinated, and his son, uh, Josiah, became king at a young age. And so this was a time where Judah is in great turmoil. And, and so Judah started turning back to God, and yet it was already too late. Judgment has been determined. And so Zephaniah was the prophet during the time of this judgment being determined. And so even though Josiah brought about revolution and was trying to turn Israel back to God, and yet God judges, judges him. And so we see in chapter 3, God says, cheer up, rejoice. Why? Because though judgment is coming for you, this judgment will not be eternal. This judgment is actually going to bring victory to Israel. And so, and so throughout Zephaniah, we see the day of the Lord being repeated. The day of the Lord. That is where Zephaniah is fixated upon, is the day of the Lord. And so we see this, we see this in the time of Zephaniah. Also, he's seeing into the future. He's also seeing the first coming of Jesus. He's also seeing the end of days. All of these day of the Lord. And so it's not confined to one time. Okay, when you see this prophecy in Zephaniah, he is prophesying also even the end times because the day of the Lord is the final judgment, yes? And so when you look at Zephaniah 1 through 3, that's what you need to see is that these prophecies are prophesying of the end times. And so Israel is being judged under the weight of Babylon, but this judgment isn't the true judgment, but the judgment that comes at the end of days is not coming to bring death to Israel, but to give complete and total victory. That's why God says to Israel, do not despair. And so let's look from chapter 3, verse 1. But before we get into chapter 3, when you look at chapter 2, verse 4 to verse 14, It's similar to the prophecy in Isaiah 11. 
and also Amos, Obadiah, and Zechariah. They're all very, you could see them as the same prophecy. They have their differences, but they are very similar. And the reason is because, first of all, he first talks about judgment over the Philistines. And this isn't historical judgment, but rather judgment in the end times, right? It hasn't already happened. Right, we saw this last year, last week in Isaiah 11, right? 11 verse 14. Right, it says that, but they will shall swoop down on the shoulder of the Philistines in the west, and together they shall plunder the, the people of the east. East is Iraq, right? And they shall pull out their hand against Edom and Moab. This is the area around Jordan. And so this is all around Jordan. And then Zechariah 9 to 11 is also a very similar prophecy, talking about these regions. And also in Obadiah. Uh, sorry, I misspoke earlier. I said Amos, but it's Obadiah. Right. Uh, I didn't hear when he said the verse, but he's talking about Edom. Right. Uh, where is it? It's talking about Gilead. Entire. And so it's short, but it's a very similar co- prophecy. Uh, it's at the end, uh, verse 19 and 20. And so Zephaniah, Isaiah 11, uh, Obadiah. The first judgment is the judgment against who? Is against the Philistines. Zechariah, Isaiah. Is it speaking of these prophecies? Then what should the past prophecy do? It needs to be it confirmed. Where? To Jordan? To Lebanon? And to Syria, to the, to the northern regions of Syria. Right, it needs to be not not confirmed, but extended. And so this, and so is this warfare going to be extended? And if Trump becomes president, Trump might provide Israel the ability to expand this battle to this war. If Biden remains president, this. This war cannot expand. Why? Because Biden will cut off aid. But if Trump becomes president, then he will extend this warfare. And so that's what I'm thinking about right now. Ezekiel 38-39 is different from this conference. But it is also, or not conference, prophecy. But, it's a, but it is similar in context, but it's a different battle, a different war. And so is this war the Third World War? Or is it the war that is prophesied in Ezekiel 37-38? Revelations, right, one of the trumpet judgments is the Third World War. And so... From my perspective, the way I see it right now is that this seems like that that war is beginning, is in the beginning. 
And so when I see the overall flow of revelations, I believe that the Armageddon, the war of Armageddon is the beginning of the tribulation. But there's still many things that I have to, I have to solve in terms of time frame. But anyways, and so whether it's Isaiah, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Obadiah. And so regarding this battle against the Philistines going to Edom, Moab, Tur, and the Euphrates. This war is different from the war that's prophesied in Ezekiel 37, 38, 39. Because 38, we see who? We see Turkey and Russia uniting. And so, uh, if in this presidential election, Trump becomes president, then, then this then this war will um, will uh, escalate and the war in Russia will end. And so this is the scenario that, that's before us. It's not a prophecy, it's a scenario. And so is this war then going to be pro- interpreted in terms of the third world war. That's why I'm taking the sabbatical to, to, to converse with God. So maybe some of you say, may, maybe some of you say, why are you taking the sabbatical? Why are you taking the sabbatical right now? But do not question this decision. It's not just rest, right? It's not just rest. Of course, I do need rest. Right? I said to God, God, I do not want to rot to death. I don't want to rot to death. When I die, I want to die in glory, right? And so, so I need rest so that I don't rot to death. But also, I need to receive revelation from God regarding these various scenarios that is before us. And so, when will the Antichrist be revealed? Around what time will, will the great prostitute reveal herself? And so world peace, we do not know exactly where, according to the prophecies, where that will fall in the tribulations. But uh, the way I see it right now is it seems like it's going to happen in the first half of the tribulation. And then also, especially as Koreans, right, there's no prophecy regarding Korea in the Bible. And so that's why it's important for us to see uh, this, this, this time schedule, this frame, framework of God's scenario. There's some foolish prophets who look at Isaiah and when it talks about men of the East, that they say that that is Korea. No, that's not Korea. It's just the East. But, but anyways, and so as we saw last week in the prophet prophecy of Isaiah 11, what we saw clearly is that this season is the season where the remnant are being established. And in Zechariah chapter 2, as it also says, that if this war in Israel and Palestine is this this war that is being prophesied, then this war needs to be um, extended and Trump will be president. And so as this war is expanded, uh, Israel will take the victory. And through that, 
we'll see many Jews uh, taking their Aliyah back to Israel. And that's why I'm very um, interested in what is going on in this war right now. Because as we see, the Philistines will be completely annihilated in this prophecy. And why is this war right now not being expanded into Lebanon, into, into other places? Because Biden is, is limiting Israel, right? And so, from the perspective of, of us as Koreans, whether, whether Trump or Biden is president, it doesn't matter to us too much. And yet for us... How should we pray? We should pray, Lord, let it be according to your will of the prophecy. And so if it is this battle that is prophesied here in today's prophecy, then Trump will be president. If it's not, then I don't know if it will be. Because first, uh, if we are going to expand this warfare, it needs to go into Lebanon and then from Lebanon to Syria. And so we are going in... August, right? August, September. August is the most important month of this, of this, um, of the uh, election in president, uh, of the U.S. presidential election. And so around that time, we should recognize whether it's going to be Trump or Biden who will be the next president. Right? Because, you know, they have the primaries. And so around that time, those presidential primaries will kind of show where the trend. And so, Lord, if it is your will, let this uh, war expand. And so last year, we went to Israel and said, Lord, let battle be erupt. And it erupted. And this year when we go, let this battle be expanded. And so remember that they were fighting into the Gaza region and it was expanding, but then they had to uh, limit the scale of the operations. Right? Because, because the economy needed to run and so they sent the reserves back home. And Biden is continually putting pressure on Netanyahu to limit the, bat- limit the scope of this war. And Ukraine is, there's lots going on in Ukraine right now, right? And Trump is just continually, uh, not Trump, sorry. Putin is, he, he's like a, a pig being fattened for the slaughter. He's continually doing wickedness throughout the world. And that's how the world, the trends of the world right now, the current affairs that are going on right now. And so today's prophecy, this message of Zephaniah, once again, as I see that this is the important time of the remnant being established as we saw in Isaiah 11. And so really, right now is a time of great urgency. Right now is a time of greatness. And so... So I'm grateful that God is allowing us to be in this comfort. But, but yes, it is urgent time right now. And so in this time of urgency, if you are lost in the world, that is dangerous. 
Let us be like the wise virgins, the five wise virgins who prepared the oil. Amen? It is time for you to prepare the oil, but if you are lost in the world, as, as Sunjin confessed earlier, right? because I'm the engineer, I don't have to worry about the worship. No, whether you are an engineer, whether you are an instrumentalist, you're a drummer, worship is the primary thing. Without that worship, then that's the problem. Even me as the speaker, if I'm not meeting with God, this is nothing. And so we should not be drunk on the world. Amen? And so look, chapter 3, verse 1. He proclaims judgment over Israel. And so first he began with the Philistines and continually judging all the, all the neighbors of Israel. And then all of a sudden, chapter 3, verse 1, there's judgment over Israel. And when you compare with other prophecies, why do Israel, why is Israel judged? Because though God has given them this great victory, instead of being holy, instead of being sanctified, they, they continue to wallow in their wickedness. And so they should come to their senses and return to God. Right? They, the war began because they fell. And God demands repentance and gives them great mercy. And yet, as this battle comes to a close, they remain in their corruption. And because they are corrupted, at the end of this battle, what do we see? We see Philistines, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria being ruined. And they take this land. And what will Israel do? Right? They could bring about peace in the Middle East. Right? That's what they can do. Right? They're not going to be able to just take this land for themselves. Right? Because the UN is not going to allow that. And so that's when they're going to bring about peace in the Middle East. And as they re- uh, negotiate that, what's going to happen is that they're going to give East Jerusalem to the Arabs. And God will bring wrath on that. God will not be pleased. And that's when the, uh, the tribulation, the first half of the tribulation begins. And so if this warfare that's going on right now then there's not that much time before the tribulation begins. If this battle is this battle, if this is not that battle, then the way I see it, Biden will become president. Because in order for this battle to just end where it's at right now. But as I see it, Trump has a higher pro- probability of becoming president. And seeing as our church is going RT to America, I think God's willing for Trump to be president. Then that means that we only have three and a half years left maybe. I'd be happy even if there was only three days left. Why take so long, God? My body is rotting away, Lord. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying the scenario. And so don't, don't, don't go around saying that pastor said that there's only three and a half years left. No, this is just a scenario. Okay? 
And so, chapter 3, verse 1, this is the scenario that if, if they, I mean, they got this great victory, and they should keep their sanctity, but instead, they trade their sanctity with the world. And in that process, we see uh, as this peace in the Middle East is achieved, we see uh, religions coming together. And so they will negotiate uh, giving up East Jerusalem in order to build their third temple. And this will uh, bring God's wrath. And so that will begin that uh, tribulation. So let's look. Woe to her who is rebellious and, rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. I don't need to explain this, right? That they are rebelling against God. And defiled, defiled by the world. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. So they are disobedient to the word of God. God gave Israel all this victory. And in order to raise Israel up, and yet what does Israel do? They do not lurk to God, but they turn, they're afraid of what the world will say to them, and so they negotiate with the world. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. And so what does it mean her, to her God? It's letting God be God over them. And so that means that, with that them not drawing near means that they are not allowing God to be God over them. So as children of God, who should we be closest to, right? In my, let's say, am I the closest with my wife? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing, right? That I'm close with my wife. But the thing that we need to never forget is that before my relationship with my spouse, I should be close with God first. If I'm far from God and close to my wife, it doesn't matter. It has no meaning. So whether it's money or people, whatever it may be, Anything that we have outside of God is meaningless. No, going beyond that, it's wickedness. Even with yourself, you should not be closer to yourself than God. Right? The Bible says to detest yourself. And so, what's the most important thing of letting God be God over your life is being close to Him. So this is the principle of things. If God is not God over you, can He be, can he be close to God? He cannot. And so as I always say, when you come to a person, in between your relationship, there should always be the Holy Spirit, right? Between me and you, this was, we call this the relationship of the gospel. With you, a relationship of gospel, with my wife, relationship of gospel, everything must be within that relationship of the gospel, right? The Holy Spirit must be in the midst. And so God must be God over us, amen? And that's what Israel forgot. And so is he prophesying over his current times? No, he's prophesying over the end times, over what happens to Israel at the end. So verse 3, her officials with her are rowing lions, right? Uh, her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. And so instead of taking care of their people, they only take care of themselves. Chapter four, verse 4, her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. And so they're filled with uh, immorality. And 
right now there's statistics saying that 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 the that the most uh, best customers to to the red light district in Tel Aviv are Orthodox Jews, right? That's that's showing the 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 the. The, the, the corruption of the prophets, her priests profane what is holy, they do violence to the law. And so they profane what is holy. They do violence to the law, right? They are going against the word of God. So this is describing the corruption of the leaders. And Zechariah chapter two ten, what the, how does he describe this? That 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 the that the bonds of grace have been broken down, right? And so this is a similar conference, or conference. I, why do I keep saying conference? Prophecy. In Zechariah ten, right, that they are divided amongst themselves. That in one month a prime minister transforms three times. And so in this division, the, 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 the country grows in, go, goes into chaos. We tasted this last year a little bit, right? How chaotic was Israel as they were having elections three times in, in two years or in one year. And, and, but what's going to happen is even greater than that, like three prime ministers in the span of a one month. And so continuing verse five, the Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. And so these prophets, these high priests, that as they are treacherous and polluting, and God yet remains in His righteousness, that every morning He shows forth His justice. And so always in righteousness, in love, in faithfulness, He is always leading Israel. Each dawn He does not fail. But the unjust knows no shame. You are a temple, yes? And if you receive this in faith, you will not easily pollute yourself. It is really important that you understand that you are the temple of God. That if you are a temple of God, you will not easily pollute yourself as Taum uh, confessed about his games. Right? Right, he, 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 it would not be easy for him. That's, that's natural because he's starting to believe that he is the temple. You are not trying to just force yourself to not play games, but you recognize that you, how holy you are, that you are the temple of God. And so what does Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3 say? That do you not know that he who defiles the temple of God will be destroyed by God? And so God has created you to be very sensitive to holiness. You have been created to be so sensitive to holiness. Kichimyong went to eat with his parents. And they saw TV just for a moment at the restaurant. And that he saw TV just for a moment. But then when they went, came home to pray, he could not see the spiritual things. 
And this doesn't only apply to Chimyong. This this is how sensitive our spirits are. And since you are constantly surrounding yourself with polluted things, you how it's miracle that you are not dying. Really, how often with our eyes do we receive the filthy things of the world? And yet, you are not, it's a miracle that you're, you are not dead, right? How do you know that you are not dead? Because you're receiving grace right now. That is the miracle of God, amen? Okay, let's say we have only three and a half years left. Many of you were so surprised that, oh, that's all we have left? That's a very, that's a very long amount of time. Don't, don't, don't think that it's a short amount of time. Three and a half years is a long amount of time. So who knows what can happen in three and a half hours, or three and a half years. Three and a half years is enough time for you to enter into glory. Three and a half years is enough time for someone who is in glory to be corrupted. And so, please, don't say that, oh, you're not going to get married or anything. Go, get married. As I said, this is just a scenario. It's a scenario. And so, a scenario is different from an actual screenplay, right? And so, and so right now, really, I, I, I do not have a hold of my mind because all of these scenarios are just playing out right now, right? Right. What's going to happen if Trump is president? What's going to happen if Biden is president? Like all these different scenarios is 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 just is just interpol, in, interpolating in my mind. Right. All these different scenarios of what might happen, what could happen, and 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 what what uh, prophecies align to what events. And so inside of me is constantly being circulating that that. Which events will line up with which prophecies? And so should I take a sabbatical or not? I should, yes? I need to take the sabbatical in order to, in order to put, give my mind a rest a little bit. But anyways. And so moving on. Verse 6. I've cut off nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I've laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate without a man, without an inhabitant. And so what, in, what time is this describing? Is it talking about during Zephaniah's time, during Babylon and Assyria? No, it's connected to verse chapter 2, right? As God begins to bring judgment upon Philistines and upon Moab and Edom constantly. And so, so Israel is going to see this victory. And even though they see this victory, they're going to fall into their corruption. So this is not prophesying about Assyria and Babylon. No, it's prophesying about the end times. So verse 7, I said, surely you will fear me. You will accept correction. And so God is demanding uh, repentance. He's demanding fear. And as we said in Isaiah 11, what is the spirit of the Holy Spirit? Oh, what is the Holy Spirit? It is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. It is the spirit of, of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And so, of course, we should fear the Lord. We should revere the Lord. If you are meeting with God right now, the first evidence, the proof of your meeting with God is filling with the fear of the Lord. Of course, you could have joy. Of course, you could have love. Of course, you could have inspiration. You could have comfort. And yet, before all of these things, the first thing should be fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. 
This is the first emotion that should rise up inside of you when you meet with God. And so if you do not have the fear of the Lord, then primarily what you should question is whether you have met with God or not. Because if you meet with God and you do not have the fear of the Lord, that, that does not make sense. Because you will see his righteousness. And because you see his righteousness, you will repent because of how glorious that righteousness is. There is nothing in the Bible that, the, that cannot go hand in hand with the fear of the Lord. Everything goes hand in hand with the fear of the Lord. Why? Because this means that you are meeting with God. You are following after him. And so if you do not have the fear of the Lord, this is a very serious issue. And so fear the Lord and accept correction. And so God is telling them that this is wrong and they're not receiving that correction. Right? As it says in Proverbs, that it is the wicked do not receive the correction, instruction of their father. And so when God gives their instruction, they should receive it. Then you're, and so in this midst of this evil, God is once again calling them to repentance. Then your dwelling place would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Constantly um, polluting themselves with the world, giving the things of God to the world. And so verse 8, that's why this judgment happens. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. And so Zechariah, or no, Ezekiel, this, uh, this prophecy, it, it's not easy to see from that prophecy whether Israel will come to complete ruin or not. But in 38, it talks about the young lion. This young lion is talking about these uh, young nations of the Western world. For example, like Canada, Australia, America. Right? Uh, when Russia and Turkey come together to attack Israel, these young lions of, of the world will not help Israel. And so will that be easy for Israel or not? It will be difficult, right? Because they're not receiving help. And yet they will not be annihilated. And so here, we see this battle. This battle is before that one. Or sorry, not battle, war. And this war is not that one, but the one that's before. And what is that war before? It's the war before the tribulation, which is Armageddon. And so therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger. And so all the nations will gather to conquer Jerusalem. So this is the prophecy of Armageddon. And so they say, so God's saying to them, wait for that day. This is a scenario again. This is a scenario. I'm not prophesying. Okay, I say again, this is just a scenario. And so the sixth trumpet is the third world war. And this is going to happen before the tribulation, right? And this war 
will open the door for the war of Armageddon. And so this uh, third world war will begin towards the end of the first half of the tribulation, leading to the war of Armageddon at the la- at the end of the uh, of the tribulation. And so for four years straight, Israel will constantly be under war. So I wish Israel would recognize the the, the, the urgency. But anyways, and so. This is prophesying, verse 8 is prophesying the war of Armageddon. And so now we begin a new prophecy at verse 9. For at that time, or it'll constantly say, for at that time, or on that day. So for at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve Him with one accord. So this is all the nations. And so when is at that time? You could look at it as maybe being when Israel is receiving the judgment of of Armageddon, or it might be before, or it might be after. We don't know exactly, but it says for at that time. So we don't know exactly what time, and yet we can know how. It says, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord. Isaiah 69, 16, I believe. Oh, wait, no, there is no 69. 66, 19. Where we see all the nations coming to worship God, right? And so this is talking about the beginning of the millennial kingdom, where all the nations come to know and recognize the kingdom of God. Verse 10. Okay, so the millennial kingdom has begun. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, the daughters of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. So there's an issue. What's the issue? My worshippers, who are these? Who are these worshippers? It might, it might allude to the peoples that verse 9 talks about. But they do not need to do the same worship twice in one, one prophecy, right? And so these worshippers are is Israel, right? I believe that's a high, there's a high possibility. Why? Because it says the daughters of my dispersed ones. Who are these dispersed ones? It's Israel. Are you not going to say amen? Okay, did three years, three and a half years shock you so? It's just a scenario. It's just a scenario. Okay, so don't so don't fall into despair. It's just a scenario, okay? I'm just telling you how urgent the times are. But isn't it getting clearer? Isn't the picture getting clearer? And so verse 10 is describing the Israelites, the daughter of my dispersed ones. And so the daughter could be the church. right? So it's probably speaking of Messianic Jews. Not just the church, but Messianic Jews. And so they will come from Cush. And no matter where in the prophets I look, it doesn't say that Israel will bring offering. It's always the Gentiles. And yet, why is it the Israelites bring offering from the beyond the rivers of Cush? As it says in Isaiah 66, right, the Jews and the 
and the and the Gentiles come together. But the issue now is Kush. Where is Kush? Kush is Ethiopia. Why are they coming from Ethiopia? Because at that time, Ethiopia, Kush, was the farthest from Israel according to the uh, worldview of the Israelites. And so what it means is from the nations, all, all the corners of the world. And so as the millennial kingdom begins, all right, so this prophecy is when the millennial kingdom begins. And so there's still many t- much time for us. Okay, so don't, so don't worry about time. Verse 11. On that day, again, on that day, I wish they would be more specific, but they say on that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. And so on that day, does that mean it's the t- current, concurrent with Zephaniah? No. Again, it's regarding verses 8, verses 8, the prophecy we saw earlier. Where God gave them victory, and yet they, they, they turn away from that victory and negotiate with the world. And so on that day, you shall not be put to shame. And who is not being put to shame? Is it all of Israel? No. In Zechariah, the prophecy says that two-thirds of Israel will die. Then who are these that shall not be put to shame? It's the remnant. The remnant of Israel. Why? Because we see... For then I will, uh, I will remove from your midst your proudly exalted ones. And so all these arrogant ones are being removed. And so who are not being put to shame is the shame. Uh, it's the remnant. For you shall not, no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. And so in Revelations 13, what does it say? It says that from Megiddo uh, flows rivers of blood. That two-thirds of all Israel will die. This is not a scenario. This is a fact. So many people will die. But the remnant shall not be put to shame. They will stand in glory before God. So this is speaking of the remnant, not all of Israel. Verse 12. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. And so humble and lowly, poor. This is the remnant. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord who are left in Israel. And so it's though so many will die in Israel, it's these remnant that will bring blessing to to Israel. Right, that they will stay alive to see the return of the king. Verse 13, those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies. Right, they, do not, they do not live for themselves. Many young adults talked about their, their, their world today, right? their own world. For there shall, be found in their mouth a, there shall not be found uh, in their mouth a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down and none shall make them afraid. So they can enjoy everything that God gives them. Amen. And so this is the prophecy of the millennial kingdom. And now from verse 14, what do we see? Verse 14 is prophesying about when. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. And so Zephaniah 
lived during the time of King Josiah. And so as Josiah brought about revolution in, 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 the, in, the, in Judah, restoring the true worship, and yet Zephaniah brings this, brings this prophecy about judgment. So of course they would fall into despair. And yet Zephaniah says what? To rejoice. Why? Because his focus is on the day of the Lord. And so when he says rejoice, who is he speaking to? Is he speaking to the Israelites that is, um, that is contemporary with him? No, he's speaking about the remnant, right? The remnant in the end times as we see, we'll see later in verse 19, right? And so of course he's speaking to Josiah, but he's also speaking mainly to the remnant in the end times. The same thing applies to us. Our comfort is all in the end times. Amen. And so the most important thing to a Christian is to be patient, is to endure, to persevere. And so the one who perseveres is the one who is victorious. And so to the remnant who are standing before that battle, they God, God is saying rejoice. Why? Because even though judgment is coming, this judgment is to take away the haughty, to take away the wicked, to take away the deceitful. It's not to destroy the remnant. Amen? And so here we can see clearly the difference between, between we can see the tribulation. There's so many Christians in the world that hope that we will be raptured before the tribulation. But we see throughout this that, that we are, are going to be here in the time of the tribulation. And there are many reasons why people talk about premillennialism, postmillennialism, amillennialism. And, and there are reasons for everything. There are valid reasons for every, all of these different interpretations. And so, so honestly, that's why I need sabbatical. I need the sabbatical to, to, really, to really get that time frame from God. And so please pray like this. Pastor, uh, let pastor go up to the third heaven so that he could quickly uh, see that revelation. And, but if I go to third heaven, it doesn't mean that I'll be there shortly. I might be there for a long time. But anyways... Anyway, so rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Why? Because though this judgment comes, because God, the Lord has taken away the judgments away you, He has cleared away your enemies. And so, our focus should be on that glorious meeting with the King, right? Not on everything else. Understand and believe that you have that victory. And so, verse sixteen on that, or no, verse fifteen. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. And so Mushpat, the, the judgment has been taken away you. When has judgment taken away from you? Is it when Jesus first came? Right? On that cross, judgment is no more. That I shall remember your transgressions no more. And so the judgment is finished. Right, Jesus, who has spilled his blood for us, has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Is that what this is describing? Maybe. So the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. Because God has taken away your judgments, the devil has nothing to do with you. 
And so when you hear and listen to the Jezebel, listening to the demons, then you're following after that judgment. But you have no judgment. You have been cut off from that judgment. And so no matter how much the devil may accuse you, you say that I am no longer under judgment. I'm finished. And so that's why there's peace. There are only two reasons why the devil can touch you. First, is because you fail to believe that God has already taken away your judgments. Or the second reason that this judgment is, uh, that, that the, the devil is touching you is because you need to engage in spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare must be there, right? Because spiritual warfare is there for, to teach us how to fight. But we don't need to worry because that victory is always there. You are, have that victory. And so there will always be spiritual battle. But the first one, the first one, should there be? No, it should not be there. If that's there, you will always be broken. And so do not doubt that the battle is over, that the battle is won. If you repent today, all the games that you've played before, it's all gone. It's all gone. The devil will blame you. You, you. you played games, didn't you? And you say, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I know you played. What are you talking about? God doesn't remember and so why are you bringing it up? <laughs> Amen? It's not just down, but all of us. So the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away all your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never fear evil. Again, fear evil. And so that amazing king is always in our midst. And here it says the king rather than saying the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the millennial kingdom has come. And so he is seated on his throne in Jerusalem. And all the judgments that have been defeated or that have been erased when Jesus first came to this earth are being confirmed when he's seated on his throne. And he is in our midst. And because he is with us, there's nothing to fear. Amen. So look. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth to take away all your transgressions. That grace has cut off all the judgments. And in this righteousness, there's no reason for us to live in, in fear. Amen. That grace we have. But now in that millennial kingdom, we'll see face to face, see face to face with exactly with who we are. And that glory, that is what's being described here. But, and the king will be in our midst. And so this is not speaking of Jesus' first coming, but his second coming. Amen. And so this joy and this, this, this honor that we have, this parusha, amen, that this king is in our midst. And so those of you who do not know this, where will you be? You will be in that far off place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us be priestly kings, amen. Let us be priestly kings. Right, that we that we may enjoy this 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 victory. 
So, hey, raise your hand if you want to volunteer to go into that place where there's darkness, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Okay, on this earth, you are in this glorious church, amen? And so let us rise up in glory, amen? Okay, if you volunteer to go to that place, I'll write you a letter of recommendation that as head pastor of Yerban Church, uh, he has solemnly swore to go there. And so, but anyways, I'm just joking around. So verse 16, on that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem. So again, on that day, what, when is this day? On that day. It shall be said to Jerusalem. It shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Why do they not fear? After Armageddon, this judgment comes upon the remnant. It's telling them not to fear. Let not your hands grow weak. Right? Right? Your hands growing weak out of despair. Do not let you, your strength leave you. Right? He's saying, cheer up. Take heart. Be courageous. Why? Because the king is in your midst. He is confirming your righteousness. He is bringing about this amazing glory. And so is there any reason to lose your strength? No. Stand strong. Stand tall. And confirm that victory and march forward. There's no need to fear. There's no need to dismay. Why? Because the ultimate victory is yours. And because that ultimate victory is standing before your eyes. And so why are we going all over the world and working so hard? Because we understand the glory of that day. Amen. That glory of that day is waiting for us. And so you devote yourself to all things. Intercede. And also going directly to minister. Why? Not so that you could be rewarded on this earth. But because of that glory in that day. Amen. I mean, honestly, riding the plane was nothing back in the day, but nowadays it's such a chore. And yet I rejoice. Why? Because of this, because of the reward that is waiting for me. Because of the reward that is waiting for me. Amen. I think it'll be easier for me to teleport rather than rather than uh, getting my own private jet. I'm not talking about money right now, okay? There's so many places that we need to use money, and so I don't want to buy a private jet. A private jet is a waste of money. And then verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. 
So earlier it said the king. Now it says the Lord your God. Right? It's in your mind. Missed. A mighty one who will save. And so though the remnant are under the mist of judgment, and yet he is mighty to save, and at a moment's notice, he can save you. This is talk. And so why does it say the Lord your God? Because it's talking about the relationship you have with God. This intimacy, this, this, this torrid passion. There's no need to fear, no near need to be to worry. There's nothing greater than God. There's nothing bigger than God. Right? It's never and so it's never an issue with your circumstances. It's an issue of your faith. Amen. <coughs> oh, this is great. Now that I don't have a mic, I can I can use my hands in more varied gestures. And so anyways, he says, he will rejoice over you with gladness. This is the relationship you have with the Lord your God. That he rejoices over you with gladness. That, that he is screaming in joy over you. He will quiet you by his love. How much will he embrace you that you cannot even make a sound? That's how much I love my children these days, right? That, that I hold on to them so much that they cannot make a sound. He will, ex- uh, he, will, he will exalt you with loud singing. This is how much he loves you. What shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? And so when Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, what does it say in Ephesians? That we are the praise of his glory. Amen. That is the faith we must have. If you have faith in this, then everything is okay. You will be okay. Moving on. Verse 18. And so now it's describing the remnant in verses 18 to 20. And, and so he will save them. And we'll see who those are saved. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival. And so during Josiah's time, they are bringing, they're restoring the, 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 the festivals. And yet there's people who yearn, who yearn to restore, who, who mourn because of the loss of the festival. And then when the, the exiles are taken to Babylon, the thing that pains them the most is not their hardship, but rather that how can we worship God in this foreign land? How can we lift up God's true worship? But Zephaniah is focused on Armageddon. At the darkest point of human history. And so we saw during the coronavirus, right? That that people, we saw a taste of what's going to happen. People will not be able to worship God. Right? People dying because of famine. But this is only the beginning. At the height of Armageddon, it will be truly tragic. And in that time, the remnant, the remnant will mourn for what? The festival, the worship of God. How, how can we worship God? And so though the darkest time is coming upon mankind, it's in this time that the remnant will raise up the most glorious worship. Let us yearn for this. This will not just happen overnight. It's when you thirst and seek holiness, passionately seek after God, they will rise up to this. 
And so spiritually speaking right now, we're seeing the heavens closing its door. Anointing is not flowing freely. You understand that all over the world. All over the world, we do not see salvation. It's been a while since salvation has opened. There are not that many miracles of like Taum returning to the church. And so if he leaves again, that might be his last chance. He has no more chance to come back here to, to testify. Taum, where are you? Taum, where are you? Do you understand? Okay, do not think that you might have another chance to come back. So don't go out again. So the heavens are closing. But look, the one place where the heavens is not closed, as Revelation is prophesied to the church of Philadelphia, those who have the secret passage of heaven, only in that secret passage will they receive that glorious worship. Why? Because they mourn for the truth. They seek holiness. As it says in Revelation 17, 4, those who are faithful to their calling, to their election. These remnant will raise up glorious worship. Those who mourn for the festival, those are who will be gathered, so that they will no longer suffer reproach. And so already you can see whether they belong to God or not by their worship. Even in the times of this great suffering, this times of trials and tribulations, they yearn for the worship. And so that you will no longer suffer reproach. This is a time where no one knows where their next meal might come. And yet these guys are not worried about that, but they're worried about what, what, how to worship God. That I'm not going to concern, be concerned with money, what will I will eat, what I will drink. That is not going to be what worries me. What worries me is when, how to have the glorious worship. I'm not telling you to quit your jobs. But what I am saying is, is that if you cannot give holiness to God in your job, if you cannot maintain holiness and just persevere, don't. That is a problem. You need to be able to instantaneously take action. This is about thirst. You shouldn't say, God, it's not, I can't do anything. I can't help it. My circumstances are like this. Are your circumstances greater than God? No. It's about faith. It's about your desire. It's because you do not take this festival as your burden. You do not yearn for holiness. You do not yearn for, for that, for sanctity. You act as if this is normal. Then you do not mean, meet the requirements to be a remnant. Listen carefully, my brothers. Who are we? Who are we that we ought to slave ourselves to the world? Is that who we are? Is that all we amount to? If you believe in the glory that God has given you, then you will recognize that that's not right. You, it's about your desire. If you pour all your energy to the world, ignoring holiness, 
worried only about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, that you are not fit to be the right remnant. It is those who mourn for the festival, who lay down all the burdens, considering the burdens of the flesh to be their reproach. And so that you will no longer suffer that reproach when you lay it down. That's what you need to yearn for. Amen. That's what it means to be the remnant. Ah, I am the remnant. Without those things, then you are not fit to be the remnant. And so verse 19, we'll see clearly who those remnant. Behold, at that time, again, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors. And so in the midst of Armageddon, though there's no hope, God hears their desire for the festival, for the worship. And so that's why God gives them the victory. And so the Antichrist cannot overcome them. Why? Because they are left over for the worship of God. That worship that is, that, that, that is lifted up to God. As it says in 1 Samuel chapter 7, that as when Samuel lifted up the offering to, to God, that offering, that pleasing offering brought about victory over the Philistines. In that same way, this worship as it lifts up to God in the midst of Armageddon, that annihilates the army of the Antichrist. Worship is life. Worship is life. And so he says, behold, behold the victory of the remnant. They have been, re- they have been left for this reason. For this reason. Worship. There's still so many people in Yorban church who are polluting themselves with the world. Too many people are being polluted by the world. And so that glorious present has yet to manifest itself here. But we need to yearn for that worship. We need to thirst after that worship. Like last week's, like the... Oh, sorry, I didn't hear. I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. Uh, Something about not repenting just came. Something about a fan? I guess. Uh, but, anyways. Okay, we need to be transparent amongst each other, being able to say anything, all of our shame. Uh, someone threw a, a fan? Ah, uh, yes, last week. Last week. Right? Q talked about, talked about how his parents fought. That was very good. <laughs> Excuse me. In the past, my parents fought so often. Uh, they threw the pots from the second floor and I was on the first floor trying to catch them. 
And so when my parents fought, you never knew what would come flying at your head. And so you had to be vigilant. You had to be alert. And it was when I was in high school. And I was at the height of my athletic prowess, right? And so, and so at that time, uh, the way I would uh, get over the stress of my parents fighting was I would, take a, I would take alcohol, right? I would drink soju. and That was when I was not a Christian. But anyways. Okay, the one of you, that one who threw the fan, repent. And so all of these things, what I'm trying to say is we need to receive justification before we come to worship. Amen? And yet, there are many brothers these days who get beat by their wives. Right? It's turned upside down in these days, right? I want to hear the, the testimonies of those brothers, the ones who get beat by their wives, who get controlled by their wives. Okay, maybe the first should be singer. Uh, you did not get beat? What are you talking about? I see you with bruises all the time. But anyways. And so what does he say? I will save the lame and gather the outcast. So this is the remnant. It... it lines up with uh, Micah's 3 right and I will change their shame into praise oh wait no I will save the lame and so clearly showing who the remnant are and I will change their shame into praise and so what is what time is this that in the midst of Armageddon the pra- their shame into praise is when Jesus Christ is coming is visible that I received your worship and I have received you and I will give you glory I will change your shame into praise and so in that day we're not receiving gold we're not receiving diamonds what are we receiving as it says in Zechariah 6 we are receiving praise that when we go to the millennial kingdom that all kinds of people will stand and the glory will radiate from them depending on their reward and it will be so clear and so praise their shame will be turned into praise and renown in all the earth and so as with this corrupted body, with this sinful body, we may not understand why this praise is so great, why it's such a reward. But it's on that day that we'll realize how great that reward is. That is what we are living for. Verse 20. At that time. Again, that time. Why does he keep saying at that time? I wish he would t- say the date. At that time. At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, again, twice in one verse. And so this is probably speaking about the end times of Armageddon, the, the final moments of Armageddon. I will bring you in. At that time, I will gather you together. And so now with all the righteous hosts of heaven, with the angels coming together before the wedding feast of the Lamb. 
So let us go before the Lord in this glory. Amen. Do not think of resurrection in a theoretical sense, in an abstract sense. No, let us meditate upon this glorious resurrection. Like Paul says, yearning for the, 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 the greatest of resurrections. Amen. Let, a, let the remnant arise. For I will make you renowned and praised among the peoples of the earth. And so we will be returned and be renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. So we'll st- all the nations will stand before God. All mankind. All mankind. And the righteous ones, the righteous hosts, the hosts of angels. And there you will be praised and honored by God. Amen. Right, though we were lame and outcast, as it says in verse 19, we were oppressed. But finally, before, before, man, before the history of man, in the, in the, it, as the history of man being your witness, that you are my glorious child, this praise and honor. Who, what can compare? What can compare? Shall we die for the gospel and the Lord or not? Let us press on. And so what is your blessing? What is your privilege? Is that God has opened everything for you for this glory. That God has opened everything. He has made all things available to you. Amen? That God has opened up all of these things for you to to live this way. That is your blessing and privilege. So in that day, before the history of man as witness, being praised and honored by God, that is what is waiting for you. And if today's scenario is, pl- is to play out in this year, then there's only three and a half years. Okay, do not doze off right now. I'm not prophesying that there's only three and a half years left. All I'm saying is to, that the times are urgent. Amen? Amen? So, brothers... Let's give glory to God who has ordained this glory for man. How amazing. How amazing. So in that day. In that day. And so how great of a privilege is it that we live as the remnant? Let us pray. And so I ended a lot earlier than I thought I would. Okay. It's still six. It's not yet seven. And so let's pray powerfully at the end. That the word of Zephaniah would rush into us. And so let this glorious remnant life extend upon us. And so confirm your identity as the remnant. And believe that we are standing in that day. So let us die for the glory of the gospel. Who perfect the, the, the holiness of God who perfect the gospel who perfect holy and blamelessness that has been preordained before time began for us that we would be able to offer up this worship that God pleases God that every single member of this church would cast the world aside and enter and strive for the holiness being in that amazing presence of God Yes, Lord, this is the prophecy, and this is what will happen in this church. And so, Lord, that we will not enter in filth. We are your holy temple. 
And so, Lord, the fulfillment of the new covenant, the fulfillment of holiness, let us be filled with this glory. And now, Lord, above all else in Central America, in this General Assembly, Lord, restore the glory of the worship. Restore that power of of the presence. And so, Lord, let us tremble before you. Let us cry out before you. Let us seek the fullness of your presence in the worship. Hallelujah! Lord, in this season, no one can deny that these are the end times. So, Lord, upon the remnant, until that moment that you come, we yearn for holiness. And, Lord, may all the churches of Zoe ministry thirst and desire to lift up this holy worship. Grant us this grace that in this time of greatest darkness, that open up your secret passage to the remnant and pour out your glory. And these holy ones that the Antichrist cannot touch be raised or, or be raised up. And now, Lord, we go to Central America and we go that on that day that we believe that this trip will give us that glory. There is great victory and there is many works of witchcraft going on. But Lord, we proclaim your victory. And during the three weeks that your servant is not here, watch over the worship here. Let everyone gather together and be unified to intercede and that they would confirm more and more this victory and holiness and glory. Bless today's offering and especially to those who dedicate to Central America, dedicate to, uh, to these businesses and people who pour out everything. Lord, uh, give the, your blessings. And now, by the grace of Jesus Christ as the head of the church, through the holy love of the Father and through the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit to those who stand as the remnant who thirst for holy worship to these beloved remnant upon their families, upon their children, upon their businesses, inheritance, upon this nation, upon this people, upon Zoe ministry and upon Yerbang church. May this blessing rest now and forevermore.